Are you ready to get real? Welcome to Real Estate, the world's loneliest career, where you're always out of balance, unfulfilled, the role models are fake, the numbers unattainable, and you're just supposed to be and do it all. Join three self-made millionaire real estate agents, wives, moms, and business owners as we level up, learn from special guests, and elevate and disrupt an entire industry through real education our way. Hi, guys. We're the homegirls, and we're so excited. Uh, We are here today with Matt Plummer, who's a friend and is the owner of Financial Fit Consulting. He has got a pretty amazing story, and he's here to talk to us about some of the messes that real estate agents get into, which is true and real and scary and stuff that no one ever talks about. So us being who we are, we want to talk about the stuff that no one ever wants to talk about, right? (laughs) So Matt, tell us your story, please. Oh, thank you for having me on, ladies. This is a lot of fun. Um, So, you know, I don't want to go all the way back because, you know, I want to keep... I don't want to put the listeners and, <laughs> and watchers asleep, but, um, you know, just a quick backstory, um, you know, being in the, uh, in the real estate space and, and really entrepreneurship and self-employed uh, for the better part of two decades, um, my story goes back to early 20s when I lived a life of addiction and always chasing, um, you know, trying to out-earn my spending all the way from when I can remember, I mean, 12, 13, 14 years old, uh, I remember always this chase, right? So when you fast forward and, you know, you, you hear that, you know, nine years ago, I was 300 pounds. I was an alcoholic. I was an addictive sports gambler. Uh, I smoked a pack of cigarettes a day and we were a half a million dollars in debt. The question everybody asks is, how did you lose hundred pounds and how did you pay off all the money? No one ever asked, how did you get there? Right. That's it's not the it's and trust me, it's the fun, sexy stuff that no one ever asks about. Right. It's the gambling. It's the addiction. It's the it's the small things. The the how did you get there gradually and then suddenly. Right. Um, And so, you know, I want to share that just ultimately at the end of the day, you know, nine years ago of having all of those mountains that my wife and I were trying to climb just being married you know, 18 months into marriage where, you know, we're faced with all of this, right? We're faced with the reality of awareness, right? And there's three steps to a transformation, awareness, decision, and intentionality. And that's where we were, awareness of, hey, dude, you're 300 pounds, man. You got 12 months or you're going to be addicted. You're going to be dead, divorced, and jail or broke. You got 12 months. And it was that moment where, you know, I started a journey um, over the next handful of years that, uh, that led to becoming a real estate agent because I wanted to finally go build something that would allow me to build what I wanted and I could make as much money as I want, but more importantly, impact 10x more people than just going to make a you know, million dollars a year. And um, it didn't take me very long when I was at my very first brokerage and I was seeing real estate agents have to sell real estate next month to pay last year's taxes. And it was at that moment, I was enough on my financial journey, going through Dave Ramsey's baby steps on a budget, 
saving money out of every check, planning expenses, that I knew that there was going to be a place for me inside of real estate. It just wasn't with buyers and sellers. It was with agents and team leaders and brokers. And so over the next handful of years, I sold some real estate. Um, and uh, but more importantly, I found my voice um, about you know two years ago, and that was coaching real estate agents that today, um, you know, I've got a calendar filled with, uh, you know, agents just like yourselves and just like your listeners that want to do bigger things. However, they just don't have the roadmap on how to get there financially. You're super brave to talk about all this stuff, I feel like, because I feel like this is like the dirty little secret of real estate. Um, everybody makes a billion dollars and everybody's like a baller, but really there's a lot of people that really, really, really don't have it together. Like I took um, agent financials, which is a Keller Williams class years ago at the beginning of my career and Matt Fedick was teaching it and he's a huge Keller Williams personality. He owns like, I, I think he owned the first market center outside of the United States. Like he's really, really famous in the industry, right? And I was shocked because he was sitting there teaching this class telling us that in the first five years in his real estate career, they foreclosed on his house, repossessed all his cars, he was like $500,000 in tax debt, about to go to jail with the IRS. Like it's even like really remarkable people in this industry really struggle with this. Um, he was a police officer before, right? So like most of us, he came out of jobs where we were W-2 and they take your taxes out and then you don't have to do anything else, right? And then you have all this freedom, but you really don't. So um, can you tell us, like tell us, the most five common mistakes that real estate agents make financially? Well, I think um, the first one, and it's, it's a shame that this is the very first one because real estate agents, like the very first thing we all learn through our brokerage is like, how are you gonna go build this, right? Well, agents don't have a plan with their money. Like they don't have a plan on how many houses they have to go sell how many they want to go sell versus how many they have to go sell. There's a different number. And then for how long, right? That's another number that is never talked about, right? Because once you sell your house, you're on Once you have that next sell your last listing, you're unemployed, right? So it's just this constant, um, and we'll talk about the, the treadmill later, but it's just, there's no plan. Like how much do I need to live? How much do I need to live my personal life? How much do I need to make for business? How long am I going to do this? And how the heck do I stop doing it? Um, Those are know, good questions. <laughs> right? I want to know the like, answers. <laughs> I want to sell real estate. Great. For how long? Because in the corporate world, you touched on it as a, as a police officer, as a military, my wife's in corporate, uh, she's in corporate America. Like there's kind of the ceiling to say, hey, we're going to retire at 55 to 65. However, most of my clients are 55 to 65, and we sell in real estate for a lot longer than the next 10 years, right? Because there's no plan. And then, uh, so that's number one. That's the first mistake that most agents make. And the best way to do it is to, to go out. I mean, you know, we all, we all think big and we go big. Right, and that's that's such a that's such a um, 
a challenge is because when you think big and you go big, it's just so hard to push that boulder up the hill. Right, but I always bring it back to my days of losing weight. Can you drink a meal replacement shake instead of going to McDonald's for lunch? Can you just do that? Right, we don't have to join CrossFit. We don't have to track our macros. We don't have to do anything. We just have to drink a meal replacement shake instead of going to McDonald's. Right, can you check your bank account today and look to see one, how much cash you have and two, how much did you spend? Right? It's a simple tracking habit that will lead the lead that will be a, the lead domino to incredible wealth. And so, you know, once once that once you establish that plan of like, hey, we think big, we go big, I'm gonna encourage you to think big, go small, right? Think big, and then work it all the way back to say, hey, this is how many houses I need to sell. This is how many hours I'm willing to work. Right? I think that's another huge part of the plan that's missing is real estate agents, I want this freedom, but yet I work nine, out, nine days a week. Well, that's the opposite of freedom in my book. Mm -hmm. So how many, out, how many days are you willing to work? How many days do you want to work and how many hours a day are you willing to work? Right? Corporate, corporate America says, hey, don't show up after Friday. Right? Real estate agents show up every day. Why? Because our clients are texting us. Well, I mean, well, not if you're off, right? So it's just a, it's just a, a mindset shift, right? You know, I think a lot of us also, well, I know all of us have gone through significant change in the last 18 to 24 months. And we all have these glasses and we're all looking through the lens of today, right? Social injustice, political injustice, racial injustice, um, you know, economic change, climate change, um, the pandemic, all of this stuff, right? And it's hard for us to see, I mean, how far can you all see in advance? When you're okay. staring at kids, parents, adults, right? I mean, our marriage, like we're staring, we're looking through all this, we can't even see tomorrow let alone 25 years from now. So we have to take and remove that lens, all of that stuff off of our, uh, out of our point of view. And so we can see 55, we can see 65, and then turn around and look back and connect the dots and say, how did I get here? Right, what's that true life that you want at 60, at 50, right? And then work backwards, right? So that's the plan. The second thing is the budget. And, and all a budget is, is it's taking, I lived this amount of money. I mean, I'm talking to three women here. When I say the word budget, how does it make you feel? I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't no, like whatever. it. Restrictive, right? Yes. Most However, hated B word. Yeah. What's that, Jessica? <laughs> I said it's my most hated B word. Right, exactly. <laughs> and so when we think of the word budget, we, 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 we put our head in the sand, we get restrictive. It's like, that's just a bad word. However, I want to, I want to just share that the word budget is saying, Hey, this is how much money I have. I'm going to go allocate all of this money versus how we think we originally think budget is, is like, I can't go spend it because I'm on a budget. 
Well, I can promise you in the last 84 months that Melinda and I are 90 months, Melinda and I have done a budget. The last thing it's been has been restrictive. Now there might have been some things we could not purchase that month because there was the limited amount of resources, right? But regardless of what the amount is, you get to spend that amount of money every single month, right? So instead of, I have to, I get to, right? Every month, I get to spend $8,000 every single month because there's $8,000 of income every single month or $80,000 or $800, whatever it is. That's what you get to spend, right? So doing a budget is just taking the income that you already have or that you're going to make and allocating it before you spend it, right? And my clients, actually, we take it enough step further. We actually allocate it before we actually earn it, right? So, you know, hey, I've got $20,000 of, of commissions coming in on these three transactions. Great, they're coming in, you know, the next Wednesday, the following Thursday, the following Friday. Great, when that money happens, what are we gonna do with it? And we'll talk about what we do with that in number four, which is, or, um, which is uh, the path, right? Or number three, the path of the money. What happens to 20 grand when it hits your bank account? For most people, right? It disappears. <laughs> Well, not only does it disappear, it's already spent. Yeah. Income is our greatest wealth building tool. And when it's aimed at obligations, it cannot be aimed at opportunities. Hmm. So if 20 grand comes in and you've got two car payments, you owe the IRS three, three years in taxes, and you got two credit cards and student loans, and you got a mortgage, The emoji, like what's left? <laughs> so now that forces you to be restrictive on a budget or feel restrictive on a budget because you paid everybody else first. Or you paid, yeah, you paid everybody first versus you paying yourself first and saying, hey, this is how much it actually takes to live. Goes back to the budget. This is my more, this is how much I want to give. This is how much I need to save. This is how much my mortgage is. This is how much my utilities and bills are. This is how much it costs to service the debt I currently have. This is how much I need to save every month to hit the target at 60. Great, there's your personal budget, done. I feel like Matt is um, <clears throat> the adult we all need and I feel slightly attacked right now because um, the only way that I can keep my budget straight is my husband does everything. Um, is he spends all the money before I make it and puts it where it needs to go. Otherwise I will, I will spend it. And I think that that's probably an issue with a lot of realtors. Cause we are kind of a similar personality, right? Like we're that compulsive type of personality, um, where if we have it, we want to spend it and we want to live that like crazy big life. Um, but a lot of us have nothing in savings. Um, and so if you can't have the uh, responsibility and be disciplined with your saving, um, you need to hire somebody that can help you do that because that's a huge thing. And if you don't get out from under that, you're never going to have any freedom. You're just going to be working until you're dead. And that's not what we all signed up for, right? 
Well, and it's funny for me, like I'm on the opposite side. Like I got into real estate and I was blessed with a managing broker and a team leader who this was his jam was teaching us how to run a business and te- like I do financial Fridays every Friday, I go through the bank account. I know every penny in every penny out. I know where everything is. And so I'm on the other side where I've never known anything any different than this. And so for me, like it's wild that people live their life like this crazy don't know what's going on and don't know what's in their bank account because I've never known any different in real estate for eight years now. I would say it's like 100% of agents don't know any of that. 105% truly. Like it's crazy. And then what happens if like, it's not even that you want to quit or you want to retire someday. Like what happens if you have an emergency? Like what happens if you get sick or you hurt yourself and you go down and you can't produce that month? Like what the hell do you do if you have no money in savings? It's really scary. I hope that maybe one of the side effects of COVID when they shut us down for that period was that maybe people realize that this is scary because money wasn't coming in, but I don't yeah, think my guess would be it's, it's, yeah. Well, and I think the difference between COVID and like real life was, is that during COVID you had government opportunity to take advantage of PPP loans and some like in normal, normal life, like you don't really have that. And so I don't think any lessons were truly learned because we still had a crutch or a way and we didn't have to be necessarily self-responsible. Yeah. I mean, I remember for me, like the wake up call was the oh shit moment where all of a sudden I owed, you know, $150,000 in taxes for the year and I wasn't ready. Right. And I was selling new homes and I was like, okay, well, I'll just go make that in the next two months and work my ass off. I shouldn't have had to do that. I should have been set up and understood what I needed to be doing the entire time, but I didn't learn that. Um, and coming from a family where we didn't have any money, I didn't know what to do with it when I got it. And so I think that was, um, you know, I know it's like a first world problem, but whatever. Um, like that was like a big issue for me. It's not like, I, don't know. I mean, like tax problems, that's a real, <clears throat> real thing. And like uh, 99.9% of realtors have that issue, right? Like I had, I had a realtor that was like, oh yeah, I'm paid up on time. <laughs> right? Just right? we hate you. It's I mean, not normal. We pay quarterly and stuff and we're on a plan and all of that, you know, every year. And we, you know, have a budget for all of that. And we take it out of our commissions because that's what we're now trained to do. But we didn't learn that up front ahead of time. We learned it the hard way. Scary and that's how me. I learned most of my lessons, unfortunately. Like, why don't they teach you this stuff though? I don't, I don't get it. Like, I do feel like, and we've talked about this on our show before. I do feel like real estate is it's crazy. Like it, it's super inappropriate because you get a license to go out and not only handle other people's biggest financial assets in three weeks for $500, but you also come into this totally different world where you're making all this money of this large influx of money coming in. But we're like the only industry on the planet that makes the level of salary that we do with zero business acumen, zero teaching, like you know, lawyers, doctors, people who make this level of money are trained in school with what to do with it. We're just like, here you go. Here's $500,000 a year. Have fun. It's crazy. Well, I would say that those professions that you actually just mentioned, Lindsay, are are right there with with agents. 
um, as because, you know, most dentists, I mean, there isn't a business class that, you know, that a dentist has to go through. Well, if there is, there isn't a big one on truly how to run financials, right? I mean, they're, you know, they, I think most business owners like that are going to get their, their education that are in those bigger professions, right? Doctors, lawyers, dentists, those, those types of things. Like they're going to get it from um, their CPA, right? Their, their CPA or their bookkeeper or um, someone else that is doing it a certain way. But who knows if that's right, right? Just because it works for somebody that's, that's been in business for 30 years doesn't mean it's going to be the, 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 the right way for the next 30, right? And so, um, you know, real estate agents have, you know, so many come from this learning, this learning mind, right? And a lot of brokerages will, you know, be learning based, right? However, why aren't we taught? It's because I think it goes back to, you know, why wasn't I taught? at 12 on how to handle money, it goes back to my parents, right? My parents did not know how to handle money properly. So I followed what my dad did, right? My parents got divorced. I followed my dad, my sister followed my mom. And, but that's irrelevant. The point is I saw my dad for eight years that I was his best friend signed for cheeseburgers and $70,000 tractors and everything in between. I never, the only time I saw money was when my dad, when we were going to an Indianapolis Colts game and he was buying a scalp ticket for $200 or we were going somewhere where I shouldn't have been going. Got it. Right. That's the only time I saw money. And then when I got into a paper route, like I didn't know how to handle money. So I literally would work my butt off Monday through Saturday. I collect my paper route. And before the ink was dry on my check, I was at the baseball card store spending all my money buying baseball cards. Like the ink wasn't even dry on the check. When I went to the bank to, you know, I gave them 500 bucks. They gave me $250. I went to the bank. I got $250 out. Didn't learn how to pay taxes. Didn't learn how to save and went straight to the baseball card and said, here, take it out of that. From 12 to 18, that's what I did. That was my financial education, right? I was never taught what the Bible said about money. I was never taught about what business owners do with money. It was like, I got 250 bucks. That's a lot of Donruss baseball cards I can go buy. Yeah. So I think it's even harder now, I think, for people that have grown up without cash. Like we're such a credit heavy or electronic money um, type of system now that it's even harder for, especially like my kids. I'm like, Hey, you guys, if you want this item, you have to work for it. It's you're going to make X amount of dollars instead of giving them cash. We're putting it into their bank accounts. So they can't really feel it and understand it um, the way that we could when we were what back when we were kids. Oh God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what I need this week is more like I'm getting old, uh, crap. So, um, but yeah, I think that we need to go back to cash and right. I mean, I can pay with this. I can pay with this. I can just tap the debit card right on the thing paid. Like, I don't need this money. I don't need this in today's world. However, eight years ago, when we started with the budget and I have every client do this, is 
How much are you going to spend in groceries this month? Right? And I, I, I don't want you to go to Whole Foods and, and order it on Amazon. I want you to walk in with $500 and I want you to buy groceries this month with your $500. Groceries are expensive right now. Groceries are, and again, it's the number one way. Like you talk about, and again, this is, this is not about real estate agents, but you talk about the inflation that we are experiencing right now at the time of this. Like you talk about the, the mind numbing inflation that nobody knows is how much we spend at the grocery store because we don't even look at price tags. Mm -hmm. nope. Don't do it. Like, I don't care if you use cash. I don't care if you use debit card or credit card or whatever food stamps. Nobody looks at prices in the grocery store. And especially if you look at it online, you may not buy what you may not, you may stick to a list better when you're buying it online. You can just go right through Amazon, Whole Foods and just go check, 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 repeat order, whatever it is. I can promise you those are going up by 10 cents and 25 cents and we have no idea. And I mean, I know it. I looked at it, my wife last week and I was like, how did we just spend $1,200 on groceries? And we do a budget every month. And just let you know, we overspent 20% in groceries this month. And I looked in the fridge in the pantry and it's almost empty. Right? And so that's just that inflation that's coming in when if we don't, if you're not aware that, and that comes back to awareness, right? If we're not aware that this is happening and cash will help us aware, mm -hmm. right? You don't, you, I mean, you spend 20% more money on plastic than you do with cash easily 20%. Go to dinner. If you, if you think I'm wrong, go to dinner. Uh, Lindsay, are married with kids? Uh, kid. Yeah. Wine child. Yes. One child. So go, to, go, go out to eat with a $20 bill. I don't want to, right. <laughs> but that's the problem. I think with most of us agents is we're like, we make 500 to a million dollars a year. Like why, why do I have to go out to dinner with a $20 bill? That's right. where the mindset comes in. Exactly. Well, I'll just go sell another house or I already sell this much. Right. And yeah. so this isn't this cut, cut, cut. It's the, we have to relate with money challenge. Not, I'm just going to go sell an, I'm just going to go sell an extra house challenge. Now, once you get there, that's fine, but you still have to have a plan for the 500 to a million bucks. And that's where it comes in. You talked about it. We've got to have an emergency fund. And the thing that I realized most with COVID, I don't have enough cash. I got cash. I don't have enough. Mm -hmm. That's the number one thing that I happened to, that I realized in COVID that I, and I have plenty of money and I don't have enough money. I don't have enough money. I don't think you ever have enough money for an emergency. At 43, I got enough money to go through an emergency, but I don't have enough money to go through like zero income, COVID, financial crisis, wife lose a job, like I don't have enough cash, mm -hmm. right? So whatever that number is, now you don't need it all at once. You don't need it all in one place, but you better be able to go get it, right? Like, so that was one thing. And then, you know, just a basic emergency fund. Like how do we have a thousand bucks or $2,000 in the corner in our, in our pocket just so we don't have to go use a credit card when something comes up. Like just start there. 
go rip 10 $100 bills out of the bank and just put it in your pocket. Like, I haven't spent this money in two years. It just sits here, right? And it's just a reminder that's like, dude, you're gonna be okay, right? You're gonna be able to figure it out. Um, so lack of emergency fund is a mistake that a lot of agents make, um, you know, and access to it, right? I mean, you know, it's, I teach it through profit first, um, setting up every agent that I work with on profit first is if that money's access accessible, you're going to spend it. Mm -hmm. That's why when we, when I work with the path of money, it's, Hey, when 20 grand comes in, how much is going to go to profit? How much is going to go to owner's compensation? How much is going to go to taxes? And how much is going to go to run your business? Most people flip that. 20 grand comes in, I pay all my business expenses first. Every time. So we flip it. But then when that path of money comes in and I've got, you know, three grand sitting there for my pay my tax bill and it's in the same line of sight that I've got my checking account what happens when I have a slow month? Who am I going to steal from? Yourself. You're going to steal from the government. Mm, yeah, that's true. So we've got to get those that, that money that we need for future out of our line of sight, mm -hmm. out of our daily line of sight. I look at my bank account every day. Guess what I don't see? The down payment for my house in my bank account. I don't see the closing costs I have set up or I have set aside. I can't. If I look, I've got too much money and then I'll go do something with it. So when we look at it, we don't have our tax money. We don't have our profit, right? It's out of sight. Um, always blows my mind because I see in all these real estate groups constantly people going, should I set myself up as an LLC or an S corp or this or that? Why do we as real estate agents not just have an accountant? who answers these questions for you. Like my financial situation is different than Angela's and hers is different than Lindsay's. Like, why are we going to Facebook groups to ask these questions? Because I'm listening to you and I'm like, part of my business expenses is my taxes. I'm set up as an S corp. I pay myself monthly. I pay my taxes monthly. And by the end of the year, everything's done. I don't put away a, a commission portion and pay quarterly. And I, I don't do that. And that's because that's the way I'm set up to be. I think because it's, I mean, scary, right? Like it costs me like a thousand dollars a year to have an accountant who handles my PL, my QuickBooks, my life. And I don't understand why we like, why is that just not like a given? Like you hire someone to sell your house. Don't you hire someone to handle your taxes like it, I don't I can't rationalize it is all I'm saying I no, because I think most people are coming off of like very clean easy w2 where they can turbotax themselves I mean I was all but I where do you find a good accountant where do you find a good financial advisor you know I no. I mean Matt are most of your clients new in the business or experienced their experience they make a shitload of money they have a shitload of debt right my my clients um it's so funny that we're talking. Um, I would have. I used to be a sports better or a sports gambler and and uh, and uh, cards. And I would have bet any amount of money that two years into my coaching business, it would have been my coaching clients would have been filled with forty-five year old 
married men who play golf and we want to go make more money and we just need a little bit of a plan. I have 21 coaching clients that are 35 to 55 year old women who are either married or have been divorced. Interesting. And so, and so the reason is, and I think Angela is the one that said it, we want to go make this money and we want to go do all this stuff. We want to go be, you know, lady bosses and badasses and all this stuff, which is great, except something along the way, there was this gap of the financial literacy where it just wasn't plugged in, right? And, and that is where I fit in to where to say, hey, this is how we do it. This is the system because women are very, right, systematized and organized. Once they have the plan, it's, it's game over. And after 500 plus conversations of just having a conversation like this, I mean, the two things that bring stress and anxiety to real estate agents is disorganization and inconsistent income. And you, and you bring that over to the female, which has, you know, you, you, you ladies have this security gland right here that just vibrates 24 seven, right? When it, when it comes in and like a closing slips 30 days or two weeks and like this security gland just starts going off on your, like it just, it just vibrates, right? And so, I'm like, oh my God, can he see it? Like, I'll cover it up. Hey, everybody has it, right? <clears throat> and so, you know, guys just want to go, they'll just go sell another house and sell another house and sell another house and sell another house where women are like, no, 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 no. I don't want to work until I'm a hundred. I want to work because I, I, I want to be the mom. I want to be a, a wife. I want to have the things with the kids. So what's the plan? And so once we get the plan and get them set up, it's like the organizations there, they're like, oh, wait a minute, this is exactly how I run the house. Or this is exactly how I run my marriage. This is, all I had to do was just get it set up. And part of that is the tax planning. Some of that is the financial planning. Some of that is the bookkeeping, right? That we either do it or we outsource it, right? I have those resources available um, to, for, for the right professionals. And so, you know, it's just walking people down the track of where they are and where they need to go and help them navigate the landmines and, and pitfalls and avoid a little bit of stupid tax along the way. And we're going to be good to go. But I've seen your clients tagging you on social media. And these are big ass agents that I super duper respect. And I'm like, whoa. So to answer Jess's question, I don't really know why no one does it, but no one does it. Like even the people that you very, very, very highly respect and look out and you're like, damn, I would like to be her or him. They're not doing it. And I think like, I get it. Like I was very blessed to be in an office where my team leader and broker, like this was his, he was, he was the anomaly, which in turn made all of us the anomaly. But like, I'm so scared of like liens on my house and owing people money that like, I would, I think that I would still have done all this even without, cause I, I don't, I don't understand how people aren't terrified of, of, of not having money. And I don't understand how people aren't terrified of the IRS. Like this is something I personally cannot rationalize no matter how many times you tell me all, I get it. I understand that. I know people personally who are in this situation. I just don't understand why you would ever allow yourself to get in this situation. I think Angela is right though, too. Like we, most of us do have similar personalities. We are very, very, very risk adverse. We just don't care. 
it's just not something that you think about, right? Which is messed up. My wife. Usually you don't think about it until you're in trouble, right? My wife does not care or think about money. Like she's she she just doesn't, and that is that's not that's not bad, right? She just she knows what she needs to know. But if I ask her, I was like, hey, I'm um, looking at going to do. We're in the middle of negotiating a, an investment um, uh, right now. It's one of our new passive streams of income is lending money, right? And so when we lend money, I asked her, I was like, hey, do you want to do this deal? And she was like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I was like, in two years, we don't have the money. She was like, okay. Like that keeps me up at night because I, I know the path of the money and I know what that does if we take you know, this amount of chunk and we move it over here and we can't touch it for two years. Like I know what that means and I know what that's going to cause me to have to go do is I, you know, I want to go replace it. Right. You know, I need six more clients that replaces that, or, you know, maybe go sell another couple of houses, whatever it is. However, like, she's just like, eh, we'll figure it out. There are two types of personalities. Those who are super risk adverse and get off on the excitement, right, of whatever, I'll just go make more. I don't care. And then there's the use and the Jessica's and we have to hire the use and the Jessica's. <laughs> That's what people need to learn. Which, which is why it's called job security in the real estate space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably right? a lot of it. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, and again, if you look at, you know, you look at Melinda's personality, my wife, she's, you know, she'll jump off of a bridge, she'll jump off a building, she'll jump out of a plane, she'll go swim with sharks, like, and then she's like, eh, we'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, I think that's one of those things that when it comes to coaching, you know, agents and business owners, um, especially on females is identifying is like, hey, what's going to get you from point A to point B? And how do we just make this either a game or to where we just remove the, the path of uh, the path of least resistance, right? I went back to that, you know, I lost a hundred pounds and my number one way I lost a hundred pounds, there's two things. One, I drank a meal replacement shake instead of going to McDonald's and two, I did it for a year, mm -hmm. right? I found the path of least resistance and I never stopped doing it, right? And I think females can do that a lot easier than men because men are like, what do you mean? I can't, I just look at my bank account every day and it's going to lead to this. And they're like, and women are like, okay, if you tell me I got to check every dollar every day and I got to go check my bank account and I do financial Fridays. And if I keep selling and I do, you know, have my conversation a day and I do my two listing appointments. And at the end of a year, I'm going to have $200,000. I'm in. Which is why I think my the plan, right? Which I'm looking back is how do I have a calendar full of, you know, ballers and, you know, women that are just going to crush is because they followed the plan. So I have a probably unpopular or whatever question. <clears throat> what about um, people like, I don't know, hypothetically me, <clears throat> let's just say we're talking about me here. She's um, asking for a friend. Yeah. I'm, yeah. The friend is named Angela. <laughs> um, <laughs> people like me that like really and truly like I will say that I want to retire but I will never retire like I love this I'm addicted to it right 
that's part of it is like, I love selling homes. Like that's why I got into this business. Like retirement for me, like it just means that I only have to, I don't have to work all the time or when I only, I get to work when I want to like retirement doesn't look the way retirement looks to most people, to people like me. Um, like I'm leveraged really well. Like I have people in place and I can basically do whatever I want during the day. Um, which is bad for me because I need a schedule. <laughs> um, but like when I think about retirement and I think about sacrifice right now, the only thing that drives me is the fact that I don't want to have to eat at Golden Corral ever when I'm old, um, which is like in two years. Um, like I, I don't, that's all that drives me. Like I will sacrifice now so that when I'm older, I don't have to eat shitty food. That's literally like all it is. You just need to find something that motivates you. Cause I actually <clears throat> relate to that a lot. Like I'm 37. I read all the books. I'm a Dave Ramsey ELP. I've been through financial peace university 67 times. Retirement doesn't it doesn't mean anything to me either, which is like really messed up. I know that that's messed up, right? But like, I want to go camping all summer long. I don't want to work during the summertime. Like that's my big thing that I'm passionate about. And also when I get to the point now in my career where I'm like burned out and not okay, I don't want to work. I want to take a month off or two weeks off or something. So that's what it is for me. I, I don't know. Matt probably has a way better answer. I just feel like you have to find something that to you personally makes it worth it, right? Because I do think you're right. I don't think it's retirement for everyone. Yeah. Like some people want a car or a house or they're saving for this or that. Like, I feel like you have to find that one thing to you that justifies the sacrifice of not wiling out. I don't know. I think for me, like, this is going to sound really terrible, but I get bored with, with success. Like, I feel like I always need to be challenged. And the way that I do that is I'm constantly starting a new business, right? Cause I'm testing myself to see like just how much I can handle. And that's my kind of like vicious cycle. It's, I get excited by like saying, okay, well, there's a hole in the market here. So I'm just going to do that. And so I do, and then I get bored again. And then I start again, like it's a vicious cycle of entrepreneurship, I guess. Can I ask another really weird question for a friend? Yes. Lindsay? Okay. I, so I, also, I, I want to address Angela. Yeah. Ask your question, but I definitely want to, I, I want to address that because I think that's a feedback. Go. You go. So, you know, and, and one of the things I actually have it right here, the journey of a transformation. Right. And it's, it's so easy for us when we have that choice, Angela, and I'll, I'll put it up here and I can send you this if you want to put it in a, you know, in your show notes or whatnot. But when we go up and we make that commitment, right. Hey, I'm bored. I'm ready to make a choice. I'm ready to do whatever. And I make that commitment. I hire a coach. I hire a trainer. Um, I start a new business. I join a new partner. And then you, you know, then the, and then it just comes down. It's like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to work out. I'm going to do this. And then it starts coming down and you start to gain clarity, right? With the effort that is required, the overwhelmness. So you have dissatisfaction, right? I want to go start a new business because whatever I'm doing now isn't feeding, right? Isn't feeding the, the, the engine. So I, I'm optimism 
enlightened, make a commitment. I come down here and I get into awareness overwhelm, clarity sets in. And then I realize how much effort work without reward frustration, right? So I go commitment, clarity, effort, work without reward frustration. And then I get caught in this loop called the shiny object syndrome. And then I go back and I go back to the choice and I just get stuck in this where if I just realize if I start pushing through the effort, I get results. Results work with reward momentum to transformation, new identity. Right? My problem is with that bottom part there between effort and results. I want that to go faster. Um, so like from, from clarity to results, that should be like instant for me, which is the whole reason why I'm still fat, which is the whole reason why I will probably continue to just pay for a quick and easy fix, which is plastic surgery, um, which is probably most of the issues in my life is between that clarity and results and how quickly it can happen. Okay. So I've lost a hundred pounds and I've had surgery. So I will talk to you on both. Um, but here's the thing, when you have a driving purpose and you make the choice to commitment, that will help speed up that process, right? That purpose, right? The, when the values align with the mission statement, right? When we have, like, I have a purpose to make my mess my message, right? In the real estate space, right? It's what I do. I have a personal uh, mission to make twice as much money in half the amount of time with 10x impact. Like I'm building a business that's not requiring me to be in the, looking into this camera all day long, right? So I can impact 10 times more people and work half as, half as less, right? Half as much. And I saw so when we get to this mistake that agents make, which is they don't have an exit strategy off the transaction treadmill, right? We can all be financial gurus like Jessica, right? Or she's got all of her stuff lined up, right? However, if there's no plan to say, hey, at 50, I'm done selling real estate. Okay, great. That's cool. How are you going? How is your family going to make money at 51? Right? And not starting that soon enough. Right, so Melinda and I are starting now at 43, so that at 55, I'm not on camera 25 hours a week, 30 hours a week, right? Melinda is not in corporate America at 55. So we're starting that now to put those chess moves in place and do it every single week or every single month, whether it's a business or whether it's investment or whether it's something that's like, hey, I need to put money away for the next 10 years so that in 10 years, this is producing cash. Or I need to put money away so that in 10 years, I can take $500,000 cash and go buy a business that's gonna pay me $100,000 a year or whatever it is, right? So it's no exit off that treadmill. Same thing with a team, right? You know, if you have a real estate team, like most people that have a real estate team are one pregnancy away from going way backwards. Right? Your director of operations gets pregnant, you're done. You are toast. Right? Your lead agent 
Um, agents are probably the ones that can probably interchange the most, but you get a director of operations that gets, a, you know, moves, like, you know, if it's a, if it's a female and they get pregnant, um, or if it's a female or a male and they have, um, they get, you know, papers to go to another country, right? Cause they're in the military, you're done. Like you're going back to zero or back into the business. So I think that exit strategy is how am I going to exit the treadmill so I don't take a listing every single day on the way to my funeral? Right. Um, and the last little bonus thing that I that I had from the mistakes, and we can wrap. I know Lindsay had something she wanted to chat about. Um, insurance, like I don't talk a lot about it on on the like on the front facing. I should. Um, most agents do not have the right amount of insurance or any at all or any insurance. They don't have, I, I promise you, um, disability insurance and term life insurance is not that expensive. Um, term life insurance definitely is, especially for females. Um, it's just, it's just cheaper. Um, but disability insurance, I mean, we're real estate agents. We're running, we're walking, we're, we're in and out. If you lose the access to your legs, like you're done showing houses, right? Mm -hmm. So what's that look like? If you lose the ability to drive, right? If you lose sight or hearing, like you are not allowed to drive, like those are big things and disability insurance is a huge um, gap where, uh, where, where we can fit in, you know, in the, in the budget, so. Yeah, we actually had our insurance advisor on to talk about that stuff because yeah, that's scary. It is. Sure. Yeah, and a really it. bad combination. It's if you need it, the moment you when you realize you need it, it's too late. Mm -hmm. And especially if you compound it and you have no insurance and no savings, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Very. And bad. worst and and the worst thing is um, because most of us are independent contractors, um, the health insurance. Like mm -hmm. you've got to get it. You have to get a health insurance. I don't care how much it costs. You have to get it. Angela says, I'm pretty sure this is the call Angela out episode. Good God for Josh. Well, I don't have a Josh. So my question that I was going to ask is really, really, really messed up. But like, this is what we do, right? The point of our show is talking about the stuff that no one else wants to talk about. So maybe out of the three of us that are here today, I am the only one, but I would bet I'm not out of everyone that listens to us or the whole real estate world. Does anyone else use money to motivate themselves? So like, do you know that your bank account gets really, really, really thin and then you're like, oh, I have to go to work. And so you kind of like when you don't have that much money in the bank account. Because when I have tons of money in my bank account, I also was not there. I don't care. There's no hustle at all. Like, I'm like, I could survive. I've got a year's worth of savings. Like, why would I go to work today? So I play this game sometimes with myself and I always have like right now. And I know it's inappropriate, but it is just how I've always motivated myself. Like I bought my car for a really, really good deal. I'm trading it in and I'm buying a stupid expensive car because I'm comfortable and that extra monthly payment is going to push me. Right. Or like, you know, I've always, I have a vision board, you know, and it's always been this way. Like, it's like, I'm going to double my house payment because that's going to push me. And it's worked every time. Like being hungry is super freaking motivating and I level up because of it, but it's probably really stupid. 
I have like anxiety listening to you right now. That's the only way I motivate myself. I am not motivated by money in the bank. Exactly. I'm motivated by fear and scarcity, I guess. Yeah. Lindsay and I are like the same person when it comes to that, yeah. for sure. And I know you are too. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I know, I know you're the same way, but I think people are either motivated by safety or like abundance or scarcity. I'm just not motivated by abundance. It makes me lazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can't like money in general doesn't really motivate me. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely more those motivated weird. by the, the carrot than the stick. I mean, yeah. sorry, the, the stick. I'm definitely, I'm, I'm motivated by the stick, right? I have a goal to, um, to hit this year and I've got to write a $10,000 check if I don't hit it, right? Mm-hmm. Me, me spending that $10,000 on something doesn't get me excited to hit that goal. Writing a $10,000 check to someone or an organization that I don't like is motivation enough to make sure that I do the work every day to hit that target. That is so smart. And that would totally work for me. Like Mm -hmm. basically writing a check to someone I don't like and giving it to them. If I don't accomplish the goals that I want, that would motivate me. Mm -hmm. Hanging up a bikini that I'll never fit in is not going to motivate me um, every morning, but writing a check to somebody that I don't like or something like that, or something I don't really want to give to um, that would motivate me for sure. So I will think on that. I've got a long list of people I don't like that I could write a check to. So it is funny though, how like different yet it's all the same, right? Like motivation is motivation. So it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. But I wish my motivation was more normal. Like yours. Like I wish that my motivation was like, Oh, I would like to be safe and secure and have money in the bank. My motivation is like, I don't know. Yeah. I think there's a make us hustle harder. But I I also think from like a growing up perspective, like you've been in this business, what, 10, 15 years longer than I have been. We were broke filing bankruptcy, working a regular nine to five job prior to me getting into real estate. And so like we lived in scarcity to a point where we couldn't live. And so for me, it's terrifying to think about going back to that. Like you've never, that's never been your experience because you've always been. Oh no, that has absolutely been my experience for sure. I've, I've been, I've absolutely in this business had to choose between feeding my child and keeping the lights on. And I have definitely W2 employee where you have no choice. Like this is just the money you make. That you make. Yeah, that's true. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. But the difference is, and it's weird. It's just mental. Like it's so weird. Like to me, I look back on that and I think I never worked harder in my entire life than I did back then. And I miss the hustle and the mindset. Like I miss that. I knew that I was in trouble. So I was getting up every morning and working from 6am until two in the morning on the other side. Like I, I am always looking for ways to try to like duplicate that hustle inside of me because now I'm comfortable and there's no reason to hustle. But I don't think you miss the fear. I think you miss the passion. I think there's a difference. There is a difference. And that's a good point which is what Angela just asked too. How do we find more passion? Which is probably Matt's point, which is if we paid our bills and did what we were supposed to do, then we could go chase passions and not have to sell so much real estate. Well, and I think you just nailed it right there is knowing how much you need to sell and how much you want to sell to go achieve the goal that you want. Most of us don't have to sell as much real estate as we think we do. No, we just have to stop spending money on dumb shit and have discipline. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, 
I appreciate this tremendously. So I'll probably tag you later today or tomorrow um, on Facebook. So you'll see a friend, friend request coming from me, but that's super um, helpful for me because I didn't realize that was what I needed for motivation, um, but really it is. Um, and I think that something big that's come out of this whole conversation is that no matter where you are in your business, there's always somebody that's selling more homes than you or doing more GCI than you, but they're not financially set up as well as they probably should be. And this is like 99.9% .9 of realtors, just as the anomaly, um, not, not the rule. She's the exception. Um, most of us are not good with money and we need to, from the get-go, allocate that money in a better way. We need to hire immediately somebody to take care of that. Otherwise, we're going to continue this cycle for the rest of our life. Um, and you're going to be working because you have to, not because you want to. And that's, that's not what you want. Um, and I just want people to realize that this is an issue with everyone across all income prices. Like, I mean, people that are making several million dollars a year are still having the same issue as realtors because it comes back to an inherent personality issue probably um, because this business attracts a certain person and a lot of us are that person. So, um, but thank you so much, Matt. I really, really, really appreciate um, you basically calling me out without knowing it. <clears throat> um, I was sitting here for breakfast. I'm going to show you with Oreo cookies because that's what I was eating for breakfast. And now I'm not going to eat the rest of them. And I'm I'm not sad about it. I'm just sad that I'm wasting Oreo cookies. Um, so but, um, these are baby steps for me. And that's like a really big deal for me because usually I just do whatever I want um, and I'll eat what I want and there's no consequences for me, but I don't want to be fat. Like for me, like that's like a, a big thing for me and something that I struggle with, but I don't know how to motivate myself to be skinny um, because I don't see immediate results. And for my personality, I have to see results or I stop doing it. I get bored. Um, so starting with my Oreo breakfast is a, a big one. <laughs> yeah, friend request and we'll get you scored away. All right. Sounds good. Matt, really fast. We'll link all this in the show notes, but tell people how they can find you if they want to um, help hold their money accountable and get their shit straight. Sure. Um, Instagram's Coach Matt Plummer. Facebook is easy, Matt Plummer. Um, it's P-L-U-M-E-R, uh, one M, no B. And then um, if you want a free download of the uh, the five financial mistakes real estate agents make, um, the number is www.the5financialmistakes.com. The number5financialmistakes.com. Uh, that'll drop you uh, the downloadable copy. That'll also get you over to my Facebook group called Budget Hacking. And uh, that's where budget hackers come uh, and meet and hang out. And I'm in there live once a week talking about whatever people want to talk about. Sweet. This was really good. Thank you for um, coming on and shedding light to some scary stuff that is a big deal that no one ever talks about. We love it. Oh, it's been an honor. Thank you, ladies, so much. And look forward to connecting soon. Thanks, Matt. Have a great week. Bye. See ya. Angela, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all realtors and would love to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Connect with the Homegirls on social media at The Real Homegirls Podcast.